Hello, just a quick bit before this week's episode to let you know that we have a Patreon you can subscribe to if you like what we're doing here and you want more of it. You probably already knew that. We don't stop going on about it. What you didn't know is that you can currently get a little free trial so you know exactly what you'd get as part of your subscription. You can head to patreon.com slash whatismusicpod or follow the link in the show notes to get your first seven days free. All you need to do is pick which tier you'd like a free trial of. The Biggest Mates tier is the one that has all the extras in it. And then for seven days, you are free to listen to any episode we've released in the last six months. You can cancel any time or just leave the subscription rolling if you like what you find. It's charged monthly. And during any month, as part of that Biggest Mates tier, you'll get ad-free episodes of this show every Monday. You'll get a brand new episode of our new Manic Street Preacher show every month. Two episodes every month of The Ultimate Playlist, our themed playlist show, where we talk about all kinds of different music, different artists, different genres, different eras, and one or two bonus episodes every month, depending on the length of the month. That's two episodes every week. There's also other tiers to trial. One that is just the Manic Show and ad-free What Is Music episodes, and another that is just ad-free What Is Music episodes. But hey, if the first seven days are free, why not try a bit of everything? Plus, all tiers include access to the exclusive subscriber-only Discord where we discuss the shows, the bands we've covered, various music topics, and loads of other stuff, including some games that the friendly community have devised themselves. So head on over to our Patreon page now to claim your free seven-day trial. Go to patreon.com slash whatismusicpod or follow the link in our show notes. See you there. I don't have the script though. I'm not doing it. It will take forever. Yes, I, I'm not going to make it. Do it. I'm not going to make it. Do it. You always reject my pitches for the intro waffle to be us talking about the intro waffle. No, I always leave, I leave them in though. Steve, you you said you were going to do the intro this time. No. Are you going to do the intro, Steve? You want to do the intro, right? Are uh, you doing the intro? But just literally a few seconds ago, I wasn't going to do the intro. How many seconds, seconds ago? ago? We so haven't recorded ago. for a week. A week ago. Uh, hello, and welcome to What Is Music, a music podcast about music. Uh, you join us in season four, which is called. Oh, oh, I fucked it, didn't I? It's okay. It's okay. Yeah. It was okay. Yeah. I, I I'll mean, give it a try. I'll okay. give it a try. I'll yeah. give it a try. Yeah. I'll give it a try. Hello, and welcome to What Is Music, a music podcast about music. You join us in nah, season you see, four. You guys, you just jump over. The whole raison d'etre of the uh, of bad. the podcast, guys. It goes like this: Hello, and welcome to What Is Music, <laughs> a music podcast about music. We're a podcast that focuses on discographies in their entirety, doing deep dives on one artist at a time. You join us as we embark upon season four, which is called "Is It Rad in Your Head?" A critical analysis of the history, cultural impact, and music of Radiohead. We're going through their entire career, album by album, track by track, asking questions like: Does context matter? When you're listening to music, does knowing the history of an artist affect your appreciation of their output? And this season, we are, of course, asking, is it rad in your head? And to be clear, we're asking, is it rad in your head in regards to the band Radiohead? Not, is it rad in your head in regards to this, the fourth season of our podcast, which is called, is it rad in your head? And is now in your head.
I'm Adam Scott Glasspool. Uh, I'm a horrible little music goblin that dances around the music pole. Uh, I love the artistry and emotion. That's how it goes, guys. Yeah, yeah. And also the yeah. context that surrounds music with me, as always, is someone who rejects the music pole, stays as far away as they can from the music pole, uh, doesn't really care about art or critique, does not often relate personally to music but if the music pole was to be picked up by someone nice looking and they were bonked over the head with it they'd probably <laughs> enjoy it it's lucas way hi we've also got i'm Steve lucas way Murphy. no i'm not done i'm not done i'm not done hi i'm lucas way oh. we've also got steve murphy hey i'm also here yeah it's fucking great <laughs> jesus christ we are going on our quest to answer the question, what is music? Uh, guys, I think music is Graham Chapman. What do you think music is? Cheese and biscuits. Crackers with... Uh, uh, dry. Mm. <laughs> dry crackers. Crackers. <laughs> crackers with brackets. Dry. Dry crackers. <laughs> We're answering the question, what is music, by going through the discography of one artist at a time. At the moment, we're going through the entire discography of Strange Coalescence of Bees, Radiohead. <laughs> Over the last few weeks, we've been talking Caught about The Bends. Uh, the last two episodes have been about The Bends, their second album. We're still talking about The Bends, their second album. Uh, let's catch up with us at this song. Absolutely. I wish I, wish I, was. I was. Oh, sorry. Sorry. sorry I, yeah. I don't. I actually don't know how long to hold. What's an ellipsis? Ellipses yeah. for? Yeah. I think it's. So I thought it was. Mississippi? Hang on. Hang on. I'm going to do it. I'm going to okay, do it. Okay, I'm going to okay. do it. Bulletproof. Mississippi. Two Mississippi. Three Mississippi. I wish I was. 
That's too long. Is that too long? Also, it's not. It's it's not an ellipsis. It's actually specifically three full stops. Oh. I'll, I'll give it a go. I'll give it a go. Mean? I'll give it a go. What does that mean? I'll give. I'll give the. What, um... No, no, hang on. Okay. No, no. What, what does that mean? It means it's bulletproof. Yeah. Full stop. End of sentence. Yeah. Full stop. End of sentence. Silence. End of sentence. <laughs> Silence again. End of sentence. I wish I was. No full stop. Okay. okay. So that sentence yeah. just continues. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe you're right. Um, yeah. th- is this song? Something's very familiar about this song, and I don't mean in like I think I knew it before I listened to this album. Way it like is this an acoustic version of a different song they've done, or do they do another version of this song later or something? There is something that this sounds like it could just slip right onto "Parachutes" by Coldplay. Mm. No, something specifically Radiohead. Really? Okay. Well, then no. I mean, unless you've heard. I mean, this is the only version that there is. There isn't like a full band version, I guess you'd call it or anything like that. There's no like yeah, rock that's what I'm wondering of it. If like, yeah. No, uh, but but this is the other one that kind of predicts Coldplay. That kind of acoustic guitar, nice singing, some nice guitar parts, and some atmosphere. That's Parachutes by Coldplay, and to, to a degree, a Rush of Blood to the Head by Coldplay. But also bits of later radio. There's you can again the templates sort of being laid down for some of that chill radiohead well this is this is what i was gonna this is what i was gonna say to you because like surely like here is where we start to recognize uh t-o and the head as i like to call them tom york and yeah 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 i mean i can't think of what specifically like no there's just an air of radiohead about it yeah like even bits of like (laughs) moonshake pool maybe this even sounds like (laughs) just that general chill atmospheric radio head that i'm familiar with oh it's so chill after just and my iron lung we can just all calm down now absolutely needed after that chaos wasn't it let's all have a little sleep guys hey man i'm up for that that'd be great i live to fall asleep oh Oh. that's not on this album properly properly beautiful and it's so atmospheric uh, but I do like that even on something this beautiful, there's these little dark details that are bubbling under the surface. There's these hugely atmospheric guitar parts that Johnny and Ed are doing that sound like whale song in some ways. You can just hear them going like... Oh, those bits. Yeah, yeah. Underneath. You're going to scare Steve. Be yeah. careful. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Right. Great. I love this very Why much. Why is that an impression of Robbie Will- Robin Williams? I don't know. It works, though, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, it does. It does. I don't know why, though. I, lo- I love this song very much. And I don't think that I truly loved this song until this go around. The last oh, three really? weeks of listening to this album again and again and again. And I really think this is the most I've listened to any album that we've covered on the podcast so far. Um, it just... Man, this song is so fucking uh, uh, beautiful, right? It really is beautiful. But like, again, talking to bands that are influenced by this album, like, I'm starting to see so many influences, influences for the band that me and you were in, Adam. This will mean nothing to anyone else, but this is Poles Apart. No, no, no. No, it's no. Poles Apart is flake plastic trees, like down to the structure and everything. Oh, okay. Right, maybe it's a, it's yeah. a different song. Maybe it's Canute. Um there's some real imagery. Yeah, well, I mean, well, Canute. Yeah. Sorry. This is uh, nothing, this is to be nothing to anybody. Canute, very deliberately um, styled after hypochondriac music uh, by Muse. This does sound a little bit like hypochondriac music by Muse. Okay. 
Again, rip off. <laughs> Absolute fucking rip off. I hate Radiohead now. <laughs> yeah. There's some real imagery going on in this song, right? Mm. Wax me, mould me, heat the pins and stab them in. I mean, it's pretty sexy. It is a little bit sexy, isn't it? <laughs> it's pretty sexy. I, I took it as, as someone wishing that they didn't feel what they felt. This is, yeah. You know, this, I, I this wish is, that I was bulletproof. This is mental health again. This is going into it. It's, made, yeah. it's just wishing you didn't feel pain. And we've all been there, right? When you're super anxious or super depressed and you just wish. No, I'm super mentally healthy, Steve. You're actually. super mental. We know it. Uh, yeah. And you just wish stuff like this. Stuff that di- it didn't affect you. You wished you were bulletproof. You were like, for fuck's sake, why can't I just not feel this anymore? Um, and that seems to be 100% what this song is. Like, it's very obvious with bulletproof. I wish I was, right? Mm, but it's also seemed to, it seemed to be concerned with um, all of the things that he mentions that are, are external and ultimately things that he can't control, right? Mm. Heat the pins and stab them into me. You have turned me into this. Um you know, like it seems to be an, an external stimulus. Can I throw down a hot take? Mm. Yeah, go on. Not a hot take, but this might speak to Adam's uh, ongoing quest to work out me. Yeah, sure. Um, when a song like that makes me very like self-aware and 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 look, you know, when you say like you you can see yourself in it and all that sort of stuff and and recognize. I don't like it. You just switch off. You don't like the mirror. I don't like, don't like it. I don't like the mirror. Even though, even though the mirror is therapy and yeah. all these things that I actively do, I don't want it. That's not right. what you want when you're trying to entertain yourself. You want escape. Right? When I'm listening to music, yeah. I don't want that. I don't want that. Don't make me think about it. So I, I am in a constant state of trying to explore myself. <laughs> Which is good. That's, I mean, that is healthy if, you're, if, Maybe. if, it, Maybe it is. if the end result is... You being more self-aware and more mindful and everything. So did this song make you feel that way, Lucas? Uh, not actually the lyric. Again, I don't pick up lyrics, especially when they're just like... Right, we are fully in the Tom York era, aren't we? But like, yeah. the, just, the, just the name, Bulletproof I Wish I Was, and then, yeah, you can kind of just like assume what the song's going to be about pretty easily based off that. I'm like... Yeah, I do. I wish. I, I don't. Don't make me talk. Don't make me think about that. Shut up. Right. That's so interesting. I, I, I approach some albums uh, on a regular basis because I want to feel that way. But do you know what's really comforting about songs like this is that I now have empirical proof that I'm not alone in those feelings, and I'm not the only person that is feeling that way. Um, and Tom York felt that way in 1994, 1995. Yeah. And I can cling on to that and go like, do you know what? Like, I'm not the only person that's feeling this way, and, and there is um, hope for me yet, I guess. I was texting Steve about this just the other day, wasn't I, Steve? How I was saying, like, it is strangely soothing or, or reassuring yeah. to see strange and interesting ways that other people are mental yeah because you can go the specifics of of why is almost goes to show like it's just what you've what your brain's decided to latch on to mm. but ultimately it all comes from the same place which is we're all doing the, we're all having the same thoughts it's just you've decided to narrow down on like it, wasn't it your specific thing of why are you why do you get anxious about that and then it was like, well, people obviously think that same about me. People think that about yeah. you. Yeah. 
people think about you. They go, well, they go, why on earth? Yeah. That's not a what? concern. Yeah. That, what, that, what are you doing? Why can't you just enjoy that? Yeah. That's very relaxing to me. And, that's and I what, go, no, that's that's terrifying. But then you that's would do that. that I have to think about. about other, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And, I, and I go, and I go, why are you worried about what you said to that person two years ago? No one's thinking about that. And that person's going, no, I'm thinking about it every single yeah, day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can't stop thinking yeah. about it. And I go, that's mad. And that just goes to, you know, it just goes to show like, yeah, so I'll you mean, Adam. It's the same sort of thing if you go, that is comforting to know that, like, it's I just the... honestly think that is a big part of the Radiohead experience, is that just knowing that somewhere out there, there is someone having as bad or worse a time than you, and it's usually Tom York. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a huge sort of thing for their, like, that's a huge portion of their success, is that for a certain group of people, which is us, 33-year-old sad boys, uh, they are incredibly relatable. Or, or they hit on a section of society, the creeps, the weirdos who don't belong here, who think, yes, I see myself in Radiohead songs, and these songs are about me. And, uh, just you know, when we've played every clip of a song here, I've said this song is about me as a joke. But it is. Like, I'm a sad, anxious boy like Tom York was in 1994, 1995, and is now and has been for most of his life. And it's great to see, however you view it, entertainment or art, it's great to sometimes see yourself reflected in that. In the same way that I jokingly say, like, oh, the most representation I've seen in media in the last 10 years is fat, depressed Thor in, in <laughs> Avengers Endgame. But you know what? There's a superhero I could relate to. Like, and when he got me on it, were you like, yeah. Yeah, I'm like, even fat good. boys are here to play. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, see, it's interesting because I, like, uh, again, it's just because I don't dig into lyrics in that same way. I don't, I don't. I don't have that unless something is super overt, right? Like mm. not my responsibility by Billie Eilish, which is so on the which nose. Which is literally a spoken to... word and she's talking to you. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It's so on the nose that it's impossible not to not to to attach to it. I I just don't apart from you know, like I say, the, the title is enough. I get it. And it's enough to make me go, mm, don't like that. Um but the lyrics I don't, you know. So bearing in mind that you don't like when that reflection is shown back to you. It's more just like, I don't want it to surprise me. You know, I don't want, I don't want that right now. I wasn't looking for that. Well, th th this is my question. Is, is, is that, on, maybe on some kind of subconscious le level, why you don't pay attention to lyrics, just in case something you don't like is reflected back to you? Yeah, but I've always been bad with lyrics, and I've not been a sad, anxious boy my whole life. Mm, haven't you? Nah, nah. There's a very clear, like, I could, I could tell you the date I became an anxious boy. Go on. Oh, I need to go through the calendar. <laughs> it's like it's like mid May two thousand and ten. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's another fade in, guys. It's another fade in. I hate it so much. <laughs> Thank you.
intro to that song. Does it wind you up? It winds me up. But it sounds like, um, it sounds like the fading out of a song that you've tuned into on the radio. Except in reverse. Like, yeah, well, because it, it, yeah. it sounds, yeah, because it, 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 like, it's weird. It, it, it sounds out of place. It sounds really like wrong. It really does sound like I've, I've flicked over the radio station and I've caught, yeah, a bit of a yeah. song. Well, you don't hear a fade in very often. Yeah, do you? You don't. no, it just. <laughs> No, but it's not even just a. But it's not just a fade in though, because like the way that the way that the riff starts, it sounds like I've caught it halfway through. Yeah, because it's a literal fade in. Yeah, right? I had to check it wasn't like uh like a reprise you had cross fade on in the or last something. song. Like it oh, just it, right, it got it finished and then it'd come back in again with something else. Yeah. I had to check with that. Also, into obviously this is obviously a well known. This is like one of the a well known song of this album, or at least I think it is, because I was very familiar with it. Black Star. I was not. Yeah. Not really. Okay, well then, randomly, this is one of the songs I'm very familiar with. Okay, that's okay. bizarre. It wasn't even a Rando. single, mate. Random, mate. Uh, but fuck me, this. I mean, if you're talking about like the air, the time this song came out, this is the most cut from the cloth of that sort of music. Like, what do you think that riff is just a Britpop riff? It's an Oasis riff. It, it does have a touch. That guitar riff is the, Oasis. Yeah, it does have a touch of the Britpop about it. The, the, these two tracks, Blackstar and Sulk, do kind of conform to the time in which they were released, I guess. It's yeah. An, Do you remember that Mannix riff that I said was really tradish way back? Yeah, yeah. You could Your tell where this was going. Yeah. The, like Black, that, that opening riff. Again, same sort of thing, just really tradish. Which is mad. Straight down like, the middle. I, bearing in mind, like, you've, you've conflated it with, with Britpop, but it was, it was written in, like, 1993, right? Like, we saw them perform this... On the gig we watched yeah. uh, a few weeks ago, um, although it didn't have the fade in intro, because I guess you can't do that live. You can try. You can't do you a can fade try. in. Um, I really like this a lot. Like it feels less mad than some of the other songs, and also a bit less pretty than some of the other songs. But it feels like an amalgamation of everything that's come before it. And Tom York's voice is particularly excellent here uh, those verses are very beautiful yeah they are um and, and you said earlier about this and sulk and it's interesting because mm. i also see them as a pair there's a few pairs on this album but i would say we're now going into the section i like to call stereophonics heard these songs and wrote versions of them oh my god you can hear kelly's <laughs> voice doing these two songs maybe not the range he does Maybe oh when I'm saying God, Britpop, maybe I'm, maybe right. I'm not saying Britpop. Maybe I'm saying it sounds like stereo. It, yeah, so maybe the, that's probably a more that's more accurate. The late nineties, yeah. early two thousands, yeah. rock scene. Yeah, Coldplay, yeah. Stereophonics, yeah. Muse, Keen, Athlete. Yeah, Keen, this is what I mean. Yeah, Keen, can... Stereophonics. Not not so much the Coldplay Muse side for me. That it's definitely not this got that, song. Yes, that, no, no, but this album, the Stereophonics, and your Travis and your Keen. We'll get into it towards the end of, of this episode. But like th- this album is insanely influential. So influential. But you're right. Yeah, Stereophonics. To the, the point where you, yeah, yeah. I hear stuff all over the album. I'm like, oh my god, it sounds like that. And then I'm like, nothing had sounded like this. Be- six years yeah, later, nothing had sounded yeah, like this yeah, before. Yeah. Uh, I've never heard the word dressing gown in the song before. So. Brilliant. And he also somehow manages to squeeze 58 hours into two syllables. 50 hours. <laughs> two syllables. 50 hours. 50 hours. Tom reckons it's about having sex in the morning, uh, which he says is the best time to have sex 
as long as you've brushed your teeth first. Well, that's, yeah, there's, there's some of that. Which I think, good shout. Yeah, good shout. Yeah. I, think, I think that's good. But is that a comp? I mean, not to... Oh, uh, go on, let's go. Oh, let's Lucas. reveal that's, something yeah. about Lucas here. But, I mean, are you likely to, like... Uh, you're probably likely to more likely to do it before you get out of bed, which then obviously also means you you probably haven't got out of bed and brushed your teeth. Do you either. not even brush your teeth in bed, mate? Yeah. I don't brush oh, my I teeth I brush my in teeth bed. in bed, mate. Yeah. Do you not have it next to your bed and brush You've got a little bed, spit mate. bucket next to the bed. You brush your teeth in bed, mate. Uh, this song uh, haunts me because I have like, you know, think people have been making moves in the morning and then this song pops into my head because I know it's about having sex in the morning. I'm like... Just gonna go brush my teeth really quickly. Yeah, <laughs> so, but uh, that's something. Well, also, I, maybe I've been making moves in the morning, and it's like, come on, on like, me. Stink. We're talking about the same stink, experience. You fucking stink. stink. Yes, stink. <laughs> yeah. um, I don't buy that it's necessarily all about having sex in the morning. It seems there seems to be a lot of stuff about dissatisfaction and remembering uh someone right like the what are we coming to and what are we gonna do and the like uh incredible lyric i genuinely think this is one of the best lyrics he's ever written because it sums up an emotion that i didn't know you could sum up i keep falling over i keep passing out when i see a face like you which if you've ever had an ex or someone you don't want to bump into or someone you really do but kind of don't want to bump into and you see someone that looks like them, that's an incredible feeling, I think. Yeah, whether bad or, or good. Yeah, yeah. It, it's exactly. a certain, certain rush of emotions in either way, isn't it? Yeah. Mm. I wake up with this song in my head all the time since I started listening to this. Um, well, because it's fading in, so it's like fading in your morning. Yeah. You know? It's like, the ra- again, I'm talking about the, tuning into that's the radio. It. It's like when your radio randomly turns on at your alarm because that's what you've got set as your alarm. Radio head. tunes into... It Great, into yeah. yeah. Oh. Okay. Do you think it's fading also, in because he's waking up? Do you think that's what it is? That's just occurred to me now. Oh. Okay. Uh, also, we talk about like things that Radiohead have like spawned off the back of this album. Mm. Weird that they spawned a 2016 David Bowie album. Mm. Yeah, I know. Really weird. Imagine really writing weird. a song and you, you've <laughs> and you've written a song. Album. And you go to your band, <laughs> and it, but it's also a David Bowie album. <laughs> <laughs> um, you were making like a little uh, joke but I'm an awful human being so I must just put something in here David Bowie huge Radiohead fan uh, that's just very cool imagine I know we've been doing imagine a lot imagine being in a band and finding out that David Bowie is a fan of you being that well you, expe- you, you, you told me the other day that that's the reason LCD Sound System got back together right? yes they, that's true because David yeah. Bowie was like I think you should and they were like we should probably well, do what he says I don't want to but he's the expert <laughs> yeah. he probably knows better than <laughs> me David. so what happened what happened is David Bowie wanted James Murphy who basically is LCD Sound System on the first album he, I think he plays every instrument um he uh, David Bowie wanted James Murphy to produce Black Star, and when James Murphy heard the demos for Black Star, he was like, "Do you know what? I'd love to do this because you're my absolute hero, but I can't do this." Mm. Um, they met incidentally, Lucas, through the recording of Reflector by Arcade Fire, because of course David Bowie does backing vocals on Reflector by Arcade Fire, and, and, and James Jay- Murphy and produced that record. Produced. Yeah. Um, but when they had a few sessions together, James Murphy and David Bowie, yeah, James was thinking about reforming LCD Sound Systems. Like, I don't really want to, like, it makes me uncomfortable. And David Bowie was like, that's exactly the reason you should do it. 
Like, and and that is such good advice from David Bowie. So did, he, did he not produce? I thought I thought James Murphy did produce Black Star or partially or something. No, he didn't. He did a remix of one of the songs from the next day, which is how they initially met. But he didn't. He didn't end up producing Black Star. Uh, which, we'll cover it when we know. do when we do season whatever. Do you? I don't. Know, yes or no? Whatever. Oh, I was actually going to do an LCD sound system bit. No, I'm <laughs> coming out on Yes or Noe. That's the end of it. <laughs> <laughs> Bite through the big wall. The big wall bites back. Oh, I mean that is quite a like good. A, that sounds like a Danny Dyer quote. <laughs> the wall. Because <laughs> he hosts that game show, yeah, he right? He does. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's a complete coincidence. Yeah. Oh, really? I watched the first episode of that, and he called the wall a naughty bit kit. <laughs> <laughs> um. I was in a I was in a toy shop yesterday and I saw a board game for the wall and I'd never oh heard of it and I was God, like what really? is Danny Dyer doing on the front <laughs> cover of this board game? Have you guys watched Bridge of Lies though? No. The new daytime game show hosted by Ross Kemp. <laughs> no. No. I I saw it on the t- I was in a hotel the other day and I saw it on the telly box actually. I was like why is Ross Kemp famous <laughs> SAS hard man? He's not. Yeah. He's not uh, super army <laughs> soldiers. <laughs> yeah. What are you talking about, Steve? He they to- they told him that they could have done with him. Yeah. Yeah. They said to him that, Ross, we could do with you and you could be one of our best. Yeah, that's true, yeah. <laughs> it's true. Um, that, that game show is incredible. We've been watching it just on the iPlayer just because we love What's it. What's it called, sorry? What's Bridge of Lies. Um, there was Lies? one contestant on the other day who had the, um, he had the uh, topic Eurovision winners and uh, Ross Kemp went, oh, do you like your music? And the guy just went, no. He's <laughs> like, what? I literally- and he went, I don't really listen to music. Imagine that! Imagine <laughs> someone who doesn't really listen to music. I mean, I do. I can imagine that. It's my wife. Oh, really? really? Well, or you? Yeah. yeah. You don't really listen. No, to I listen to plenty music. Well, you listen to some music. Just I don't it? listen to as broad a spectrum as you. Emphasis, on, yeah, emphasis, not, emphasis on the spectrum. Yeah, that's not um, the spectrum. <laughs> Uh, I just I just had to put my hand over my mouth to stop myself from laughing into my mic because I just googled Bridge of Lies and all it was is a picture of Roscoe's face and it's yeah. enough to make me laugh. I know. He's got such he, fucking good he face. He hates being there. He do, you hates re- <laughs> do you remember the website Kemp Folds where they just folded it so it was just his eyes yes. and mouth? Amazing. Oh, God. But the we song, are not talking about the, the song song's because sulk. it's not very good it's or interesting. It's not great. It's maybe what? the weakest on the album. Are you kidding right? me? 
Oh, okay. Oh, I Dolphin. love this. It's, you go well, off, it's, King. It, it is due. It is due. It is the song. We need one. There's got to be one that Steve really likes. Me and Adam, nothing. Yeah, of course. And it's usually the most tradish rock song, which I think this is. No, I, yeah, I mean, a, Steve, honestly, you have got such a type. This song lives and breathes and it's key change out of the solo. No, into the solo, the key change. And then that last fucking chorus when he just goes higher is stunning. It really is. The rest of the song is fine. The chorus is great. It does sound like it could be stereophonic. This speaks to how I maybe listen to music a bit differently than you guys. <gasps> what? Like... There's some really great guitar work on this. Uh, There's an incredible key change. Tom York's vocals are incredible, but they're all orbiting around perhaps the least strong song on the album. I think there's some Mm. great atmospheric stuff, but the song, not that memorable. Yeah, you say you listen to music differently to us. I agree. It's the same thing a few times, isn't it? my opinion on this song. I'm going to have to change my opinion yeah. so in the same group as Lucas. <laughs> it's the same idea, isn't it, a few times? Yeah, exactly. Which yeah. is a shame because it's inspired by the Hungerford Massacre, which is when in August 1987, a 27-year-old man shot and killed 16 people in the UK, in Hungerford. No motive has ever been established. It's one of the very few examples we have of a mass shooting happening in the UK because we have things like gun laws, what uh, background checks, Mm. you know, stuff like that. What a silly idea. (laughs) I think that ultimately this song, it doesn't do a great job of imparting that subject, but possibly that is because any reference to guns was taken out by Tom when they recorded it so that so he did, didn't want people to think that, that it was about Kurt Cobain. I was just about basically. to suggest that, yeah, because I remember yeah. saying that earlier. I was around the same yeah. time. I think... Lucas, what, what, uh, expand on your thoughts on this song. I, I, no, this is one of those ones where I can't because I don't have much to say. I just, it's just one of those ones. You're just struggling just to ones. kind of talk about it. Just doesn't do much. Just doesn't do much for me. It just, yeah, I don't know if it's fatigue. I don't think it's fatigue, actually, because this album's not particularly fatiguing. Mm. Um, I think it's just it's just not that interesting. It's I just... also think that it's not that interesting, and I think that that speaks to the, some of the reason that I love context about music is that there is this album, right? And it's by Radiohead, and it's called The Bends, and I think it has twelve tracks on it. In fact, I know it has twelve tracks. How? On it, but I think it has. Well, what I've done, Steve, if I've looked at the album and I've seen that it says Radiohead the Bends, and I've turned it over and I've counted the number of tracks, mm. and I've gone one, two, three, four, yep. five, Classic. six, seven, eight, mm. nine, Tradition. ten, yep. eleven, yep. twelve, oh. no thirteen. Ooh. I do keep checking just in case they've skipped one. Right. There's no fourteen either. So I think right, it ends at twelve. There's twelve tracks on this album. But <laughs> I think 11 of them are incredible and one of them slightly less than incredible. Um, This one feels more like a struggle and I want to look at that 12-track track list and think, why is there one that stands out? And then I want to look into the context of the album and think, is there something different about that song? And when I looked into the context of this song, this is the one they struggled with the most. And it was the last thing recorded for the album. And it's their least favourite on the album. And they felt like they didn't get it right. So 
I feel like that is kind of that's why I look, like looking into the context of albums because it does give you an answer to things like, well, why do I think this is the weakest song on the album? And I know, I think you know, you're going to say high and dry, yeah. Steve, but that is something that happened in retrospect. Okay, yeah, rather than something that happened. I am so surprised you guys didn't respond to this as much as I did, because I think that last chorus is just unbelievable. There's always one, Steve. There's always one. Yeah, Steve, there's always one, mate. <laughs> there's a quote from Tom about this song. Uh, here it is. There's thousands of tambourines on it, but you can't really hear it on the final mix. Hey, man, I literally had a uh, little video chat with uh, a friend of mine, Dom Ellis. You might know Dom Ellis about uh, collaborating on a track uh, I'm going to do. And he said that... And you're going to use thousands went, of tambourines. Hey, not far off. When he went into the studio and he recorded a couple of his albums that he's done, they put loads of shakers all over it, but you barely hear it because it just gives enough texture underneath a distorted electric guitar that kind of replaces that string noise of giving you that rhythm. So that may be the reason why. That's really interesting. Thank mm. you, Steve. You've uh, illuminated that. Mm. Also, key change, lovely. Mm. Yes. Imagine you came to a band. You were in a band. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm in a band, yeah. And imagine you are, uh, you're Tom York or whoever the fuck Okay, yeah, song, yeah. And you go to your bandmates and you go, I've written yeah. a song. Oh, and then it. you play them a fully recorded, mm. fully mixed. It's already done. With, with every them. single, yeah, with some, every single yeah, instrument. Yeah. They've, they've not, they, well, no, you, they did do it, but they didn't realise what they were doing uh, before. Yeah, yeah, they just yeah, got yeah, them to yeah, record yeah, it in yeah, bits yeah. and you cut yeah, it together yeah. with Pro Tools mm. in 1993. And you showed them Street Spirit brackets fade out. Mad. And you Ooh. went, look, guys, I've just written uh, the song to end our album. It's the best song on the album. Listen to this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Imagine that. It's, Imagine that. It's so uh, fucking hell. What an epilogue. Mm-hmm. How so? Sorry, what just happened there? Mm-hmm. That noise. Mm-hmm. Well, an, mm-hmm. an epilogue is something that takes place after the main narrative. Yeah, it's the end. Finale. Oh, okay. You just meant what an end. Yeah. <laughs> right. <okay>. Finale. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is the perfect closer. It's it's big and it's dramatic, but also it's kind of small at the same time. And it also, you know, Lucas, you get your big dramatic uh, closer, but also I get my 
thematic wrapping up the themes of the album closer and it also happens to just be like a really beautiful song uh it's i mean mean, it's not just the big thematic bit is why i love this song the 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 mellow bits that it's just this song is great it's (laughs) so good it's so good is this the music video with them in black and white and some things are in slow motion and some are not is it that yes yeah it's very fucking cool front of a caravan yeah. maybe it's it's it, it's interesting yeah there is in front of a caravan it's interesting that you um have so many um like images that relate from the songs to the music videos yeah because the music videos for these songs were such a big part of the album's success right um and obviously that is kind of that's come through in in the way that you're talking yeah. about the songs um but it also kind of brought up how many singles were on this fucking album four maybe is it oh okay fine yeah, wow. it's, it's honestly not that many. But it is um, good I, songs. I, I just, oh man, I just love this song so much. Um, in terms of what it's about, I, I, me personally, I get like a deep again that deep suspicion of the suburbs that we that we talked about earlier. You know, the rows of houses all bearing down on me. The creeping feeling that 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 kind of organized society can give you. Uh, there's technology. This machine will not communicate. There's some very dark imagery on this song that is all kind of wrapped up in death and technology and society. Uh, like that verse, this machine will not communicate. These thoughts and the strain I am under. Be a world child, form a circle before we all go under. It kind of relates back to the fact that this song ends almost on like a missive, uh, a suggestion on how to avoid this darkness, which is to immerse your soul in love. And on an album where we have kind of plumbed the depths of mental illness and isolation and alienation and stuff like that, to end on immerse your soul in love feels like a very satisfying conclusion to reach. It is uh, a wonderful sort of line to finish on. Like you said, there's another verse, talking of imagery, you've got cracked eggs, dead birds scream as they fight for life, I can feel death, I can see its beady eyes, all these things into position, all these things will one day swallow. And then it's just like immerse yourself in love. Is it yourself or your soul? Your soul. Yeah. Hmm. Mm. Uh, Immerse your soul in love. It is a kind of, after all that, after all of the bends, you kind of get this uplift at the end of, you know, however, which is very yeah, cool. Exactly. Like, like, like this note of hope, mm. this, this, this hopeful sentiment peeking through the cracks of quite a downbeat album. Um, now, Luke, I, I don't want to be unkind, Lucas, but I'm assuming you didn't pick up on all of that and you instead were like, fuck, these, this, this keyboard's fucking great and the melody's great and Tom York's voice sounds amazing. Yeah. Obviously. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which is also perfectly valid and is 100% correct because this song just, you know, get yourself a girl who does both, right? <laughs> yeah, man. But on that, yeah. like, the, the song just... My it- girl is Radiohead. <laughs> <laughs> the song is just I'm wondering what the metaphor is there and I am <laughs> yeah. but, but you're right with just the fact that some bits are nice but like there's certain sections where it's just so happy for the song just to sit back and play out with some ah over the top of it it doesn't doesn't have to be complex although I imagine it's yeah. far more complex than 
is in the surface but well i mean the way that those arpeggios intertwine there's three guitars that are all playing arpeggios at the same time in the different notes that they hit and the cascading melodies that they find within themselves are just uh just really beautiful it feels very akin to automatic for the people by rem um both in terms of that album's preoccupation with death but also the sound of this song is very early 90s REM. And Steve, you mentioned REM earlier. Mm. I wonder if this is the song you were talking about. Yeah, this is there's a, there's a few, I want to say, jangly guitar effects earlier in the album as well that kind of gave that. But, um... I mean, guys, we've got to do REM at some point. Because <laughs> they're pretty good band, in my opinion. <laughs> I'd actually be very interested to see them because I'd know fuck all. Fuck you wouldn't like them. That my, oh. my, what, the reason we haven't done REM yet is because you wouldn't like them. Oh, that's the only reason. Because Adam, Adam's decided. I can't handle it. Lucas. Hey, hey, hey. I know like three songs and they're generally all fine. <laughs> hey, REM. Generally hey. all is fine. Hey. Hey, you know, there's that, there's that, you know, there's shiny, happy, pe- fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, there's that's a, not one of the five ones. That's shiny, happy people. Same song. Yeah, same song. Yeah. Same song. Yeah. There's that other one. No, yeah. And then of course there's like it's been a bad day. <laughs> sure. Please, yeah. please don't shiny happy people. That's fine. That's fine. We can't talk about REM yet question mark mm. um let's talk about the bends because that's the end of the album uh lucas sum up this album give us your score of the album your lowlights your highlights have at it my brother <laughs> it's oh, oh <gasps> it's much more radiohead than i expected okay. right yes i well i guess not only only then when when I, when it became clear that that is a fairly held opinion that the bends is when they become radiohead uh, i guess then it wasn't unexpected but yeah i thought they'd be uh, boring for longer. Okay. Interesting. Okay. You thought it was going to be like a halfway through the career kind of switch. Because oh, well, I remember you talking about there's a point where they throw it all out the window. I can't remember which album it is. I don't know when okay. that happens. You've That's said fine. there's where they go, where they go, uh, they say fuck it, right? Because they don't want to be associated with the Coldplay's of the world. Yeah. Um, I think it's Kid A. I can't remember. Anyway. Um, I figured that was when they got interesting. I figured everything prior to that was fairly meh uninteresting right, sure. and so all the songs that i knew of and liked the ones that i knew and found more interesting i assumed they were post that point in their career because of just me inferring wrongly basically so is it fair to say that you were somewhat pleasantly surprised by the yeah. bands yeah. yeah good it, it's not a tiring album it's all very listenable there's only like a song and a half that's not great really uh and there's some narrow really that down stuff. for me because the song is sulk and i want to know what the half is uh the song is not no. I actually put bones uh, on my oh. on my lowlights list. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, Go off, bones, bones, and sulk were my two lowlights. Okay, okay. But then I also put maybe black star question mark. But, sure. Um, the highlights are street spirit. Yeah, of uh, course. Head out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, because it's amazing. And then I was torn between two, and I've decided that it's just. Okay, yeah, that's that's a good. I mean, at the risk of echoing what you were saying earlier, that is a safe 
like yeah okay it's a safe yeah. choice but guess what it's because it's really good just is one of your favorite tracks on mm. the bench because it's, it's really good but isn't also it it's great you yeah. can pick any one of these 12 i'm also pretty sure i'm pretty sure on the pablo honey episode i picked creep is one of my yeah two, you did I? yeah, yeah because guess safe, what yeah creeps creeps <laughs> creep yeah. guess what creeps a good song. Yeah. what by radiohead <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah yeah uh in terms of score like i don't know I fucking hate doing scores. Piss off. That's my answer. Well, do you think do, I, from the way that you've talked about it? Let's let's you know. Let's not do like oh, what did I give this album? Or what did the, what did I give this album? Well, this? no, but what did I but, give Pablo Honey? No, like no, a three, right? no, low, yeah, low, yeah, low, low. Because I, I from the way you talked about this album, I'm not getting the sense that you think this is a great album, but I am getting the sense that you think this is a good album. Yeah, I'm probably giving it a. Something seven is what I assumed you would land on from the way you've been talking about it because that's good and six is slightly above like it's above average, isn't it? But I think what Manix albums did I give a seven? Everything must go and no other albums. Yeah, that's fine. Okay, good, right? (laughs) Nice. (laughs) But I do think that lines up with how you uh, talked about it. I I, yeah, because I think. I, I honestly think, like, I know I take context into account, but giving the Benz a 6 out of 10 would probably ruin my life, Lucas. I'm going to be honest. Oh, in which case, Adam, <laughs> I'm going I'm to switch it to a 5. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's just such a good album, even if you're not into like heavily into the context of, oh, it's a, a, a hugely influential album. It's still so listenable, so entertaining, and has all of that other stuff on top of it. Steve, what do you reckon, my friend? I think <laughs> we're going to land in the same place. Uh, two out of ten. Uh, oh. It's a joke. It's a, it's a big joke. It's a big silly joke. Just a big uh, joke. I haven't stopped... This album's a big joke. <laughs> no, yeah. I haven't stopped thinking about this album. Not because we needed to, but it's changed me, Lucas and Adam. It's changed me. Right. Mm. It's not exactly a hot take that I love the bends by Radiohead. It's, it's right? changed mm, you. Yes, obviously I'm. It's, it's hyperbole, but uh, <laughs> it's 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 not a hot take that I love the bends, right? But like, Adam <laughs> right? Hitt- I mean, this is like no offense, Steve. Yeah. This whole thing is kind of Steve Bate in the way that it is hugely emotional and rocks. Mm. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like me. <laughs> Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, <laughs> but Adam hit the nail on the head. We're talking about how lean the songs are. They just, they just let. There's no fat on the end of them, and just they just go on long enough. Uh, they're chock full of interesting stuff, beautiful melodies and weird guitars. And they just don't outstay their welcome. Every song is a joy, isn't it? There's none of this one extra chorus syndrome. It's dark. It's sinister, but it's also pretty and nice. And also it rocks, and I'm doing the horns again, guys. Uh, I'm going to give you, mm, I'm going to give you my low lights, which are bones and nice dream. Although they're still great, they're just you. not my highlights, so, right? Sorry, I thought that just sort of slipped. Out sorry, that's fine. Yeah, yeah. but they, <laughs> they're necessary like... in that point for me of the album where it had to do that. My highlights are my iron lung because it's the best thing that's ever happened to me, and fake plastic trees because <laughs> it's the best thing that's ever happened to me. Just isn't there because I found somehow I found better songs. Yeah, that's crazy. You found two songs that are better than what you started out as your favorite Radiohead song. Yeah. <laughs> yeah amazing uh the album is uh 10 out of 10 because it's the best thing that's ever what? happened to me no surprises wait no no wait what? you gave it 10 out of 10 yeah, it's 10 that's a big 10 
No wrong su- album though. No, no surprises. surprises in the wrong album. Yeah, sorry, but ten out of ten. Big uh, ten. Big, big fucking ten, mate. Big ten. Big ten. I cannot wow. stop thinking about the bends. Yeah. Okay. I'm. I'm also gonna finish recording and listen to the bends again. Yeah. I'm. <laughs> like, yeah. That's just something that's gonna happen. Um, I again. I. 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 I mean, actually, I'm not gonna feel bad because you guys rip into my scores all the goddamn time. The way you've talked about this album, Steve, doesn't strike me as a, this is a perfect album. I don't think perfection exists. Um, Have you seen My Face or Penis? Great. I would personally (laughs) describe this as a masterpiece. Uh, That ability to be complex and accessible at the same time is not only one of Radiohead's greatest strengths, but something that keeps me coming back to this album again and again, it's also a very earnest album in a time of like sneering cynicism of I- and irony, which I really appreciate. It's so emotional, but in like fits and bursts. And Tom York's ability to write about stuff like this objectively, like an alien that is viewing Earth from above and then let the emotions shine through uh, like in these little cracks perfectly encapsulates for me a broken person trying to keep things together and i think that's ultimately kind of what the album is getting at it's about sickness but a sickness that is pervasive throughout throughout society an underlying darkness uh that the most popular music of the time was trying really hard to ignore uh and in that way what a fucking prescient album just before the hopes of change will be dashed by like war and financial ruin and an increasingly polarized society uh, radiohead delve like further into all of that stuff on future albums but it starts here as does the radiohead aesthetic pablo honey is an alt rock album and this is a radiohead album and also it just fucks <laughs> like, like all of that stuff is true and it just fucks the album just does both for me if i want to have a bad time i can put on the bends and if i want to have a good time i can put on the bends <laughs> my low lights probably black star and sulk just because there's a tiny little dip in energy there i think or there's a tiny little dip in inventiveness highlights and i wrote this like just gut feeling because honestly black star could be in my highlights there's 11 highlights on this album for me highlights the bends and fake plastic trees and my score is 10 out of 10 christ it's right, adam's got a lot of t- if there's a lot of tens to come i i feel lucas there is not we've had my lowest score in the radiohead season just gonna oh, yeah, pop that's, that that's up as a warning in terms of our general scores this has become our highest rated album of all time yeah this is right at the top of our combined rankings provided St- if steve gave the bends a 10 out of 10 provided steve doesn't go insane <laughs> which he might I, we're always I think, on the brink I, I think mine and adam's prediction about a perfect 30 might come the more we talk about it, it the more you put me it off might. it because let's be honest yeah. i bet those albums are <laughs> yeah. very different if you're saying just because I made, oh. gave this a 10 out of 10. Do you know what, Steve? Not really. Hey, man, I'm up for it. 
if if I wanted to get someone into Radiohead and they were like, I only want to listen to albums, I'd say listen to In Rainbows and then listen to The Bends. Nice. Um, 27 out of 30 combined score, which means it's an average score of 9 out of 10, which is the same as Black Holes and Revelations by Muse. But because there's two 10s here instead of one, that puts it on top. Um, the album comes out to pretty incredible acclaim. Mm, yes. <laughs> and basically all of the reviews mention Pablo Honey and they're all like, can you believe that they went from Pablo Honey to this? The lowest score I can find from the major publications is a 7 out of 10 and it's called Frighteningly Good and Powerful. Imagine something being so good that you're scared of it. Yeah, I can um, see it. Although... The Chicago Tribune said it was self-absorbed, overblown, and pretentious. Uh, does anybody want to guess where it peaked in the UK album charts? One. Okay, Lucas. Three. Oh, okay. Both of you have overestimated it. It debuted at number six, but peaked at number four. And it's 16 weeks in the chart. The Live at the Astoria gig is released on the same day, March the 13th. Um, obviously, I've been doing a lot of research and reading into this. Nailing down a tour for the Benz that is like, this is the Benz tour, is pretty difficult because it's fucking relentless. 1995 is the most touring they ever do. They do 174 shows just in 1995. Uh, 75 of those are in the US, which is their biggest jaunt over there. The album is a significant turning point in their career, and they suddenly had a lot of critical attention. It appears in countless end-of-year lists and became this thing that just steadily grew in a in acclaim across the year. We spoke on on our first season to the music producer Dave Erringer, who described his experience with the album. Right, and James Dean Bradfield, the lead singer of Manic Street Preachers, came up to him one day and said, "You've got to hear the new album by Radiohead." And Dave Erringer was like, "What, Radiohead?" The guys who did Pablo Honey. <laughs> and James in Bravo was just like, trust me. Yeah. So obviously there was like the awareness that this was a huge step up. In the US, however, it didn't really connect with the general public like it did in the UK. It peaked at... Uh, 16. 14. 88 in the charts. It's still Pathetic. their lowest charting album. Even Pablo Honey charted higher than that. Uh, it's also why they ended up touring there in the US so relentlessly. And they did so by being the support act for a number of larger artists. One of those was a tour as the opener for their heroes, R.E.M. Travelling with R.E.M. became like an incredibly important experience for them. Tom and Michael Stipe became very close, and that relationship would in fact inspire future songs by Radiohead. Uh, look, the tours are intense. Tom gets ill a lot, and they find it very difficult, but I'm sure we'll talk about that on our next episode uh, and in relation to their next album. For now, we're going to leave them on September the 4th, 1995, at which point something happens. But I'm not going to tell you what it okay. is. Okay, Lucas. And I'm going to ask you about it. And it's in about 
two months time so remember <laughs> that something happens but i'm not gonna tell you what it is okay you got it no okay, okay. before we wrap up it is genuinely worth talking and we've touched on it across the course of the album but it's worth touching on the legacy of this album this is one of the three radiohead albums held up as the greatest albums of all time this one less so than the other two but it's certainly in the conversation were you guys kind of aware of that going into it or not no no i i i like i say my knowledge was just very i didn't even know what albums were what you know let alone the reaction they each had mm. <laughs> i'm aware of it it's this it's okay computer and another one and do you know what the other one is mm. Yes. You you can just say yes or no. Lucas, do you know what the other I one is? I don't is? know what it is. Okay. So it's okay computer. This. I mean I mean my heart wants to say in rainbow. It does, right? I yeah. Bet it's, I bet it's I bet it's gonna be Kid like a. amnesiac. Kid A? Kid A. We'll see. We'll see, won't we? Ooh. Ooh. Um, the Benz is variously called up in those lists and conversations as one of the greatest albums of all time. It appeared at number 110 in Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Albums uh, in 2003, and it, uh, it appeared at 276 in its 2020 update. In the year 2000, a vote by 200,000 music fans and journalists to find the best album ever this came second wow. behind Revolver by the Beatles. Um, it's in 1001 albums you must hear before you die. It's also regarded as one of the most influential albums of all time. Um, when lists come up like that or think pieces or even user-voted things, it's very often present. Uh, the thing is, like, like, yeah, okay, so like we just said, the other albums that are brought up are OK Computer and Kid A, which means that Radiohead created three albums that changed music, and they did that in a row. Yeah, sequentially. <laughs> which is, uh, like, <laughs> insane. Like, it's just, uh, I can't even, you can't even really necessarily comprehend it. Um, Its most notable influence is the influx of the post-Britpop British rock sound, sort of spearheaded by bands like Coldplay, Muse, Keen, Snow Patrol, Travis, Athlete, all of those acts that I've just listed not only spearheaded that scene, but very specifically, they've all called out the Bends as influencing their early work. Uh, I was talking to someone recently about the state of <laughs> synth indie pop. I don't know if you guys have those kind of uh, conversations. Um, but we were talking about how you can trace it back to basically kind of one band. First, you trace it back to the proliferation of that very short scene in the UK indie music in the mid 2000s which was new rave new rave, Do you new rave? yeah the ting <laughs> yeah. tings so, yeah and klaxons yeah. and bands Mate, like that i went to see klaxons like four times oh yeah incredible <laughs> in the space of that like year that they were yeah popular, exactly that one year <laughs> i went to go see them a number of times yeah. so that came from the new york disco punk scene which originated Ooh, with the rapture city. <laughs> the windy city of pizza hey it originated I'm pepperoni the- on my pizza here with the rapture it spawned the yeah yeah yes but it started at dfa records in new york and it's like one band basically 
LCD sound system. And yes, LCD sound system have a lot of their own influences, but there's not really much that sounds like LCD sound system before LCD sound system. If you look at Royal Blood, Tame Impala, Arctic Monkeys. Sorry, if that's Tame Impala. <laughs> Very sorry. Tame Impala and Arctic Monkeys. You can trace them back to the turn of the millennium rock, like Muse, Coldplay, TV on the radio. But when you trace that lineage back, it stops at the bends. Like, yeah, there's loads of other stuff that happens in between. And radio had uh, have their own influences but when you look at music that sounds like the bends the furthest you can go back is the bends and if you look for music that sounds like Coldplay the furthest you can go back is the bends and if you look for music that sounds like Travis the furthest you can go back is the bends and it it really did shift the course of popular music like a huge amount which is an incredible thing, really. So much of what music is now is reliant on what music was like in the late 90s and early 2000s. And so much of that music is underpinned by this one album, by five people struggling to find a way to just like do whatever they want to do. And it's just kind of like a landmark moment in music history. And I thought it was important to just flag that up. The incredible thing is, is they do it again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then they do it again, <laughs> which are our next steps on our journey as we wrestle with and explore with their third album, OK Computer. But first, I did want to just touch base with you guys and find out whether or not all of what we just talked about and heard and discussed and discussed and heard and talked about was that music. 10 out Adam, of 10 music, baby. Adam, it was really good music for the most part. Nice. I love that. That's uh, yeah, I would I would agree with you. I also agree it's music. I'm just putting a big old tick in the spreadsheet of all of the albums we've listened to and whether or not they're music. And it turns out they all are. Yeah. Is this oh, pointless? Shit. Yeah, oh yeah. Is not- this a pointless endeavour? Shall we knock it on the head? Mm-hmm. I think I think we should. I think we genuinely, genuinely should. Okay, mate, calm down. Jesus Christ. Okay, no, I'm sorry. Yeah, calm your tears. Well, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Anyway, before we go, I did want to read out uh, a listener email um, because we love receiving emails from the listeners and uh, sometimes I'll reply to them, but sometimes, you know, uh, we we want to read some out. So this one is from uh, Steve Robinson. It's titled, I'm Listening Now. Uh, and, and here we go. It says, hey, big mates. First off, Lucas, I hope your wedding went well. Congratulations. I've been listening to your ramblings since about season one, episode eight. That's very specific. <laughs> I've just left a message on your Insta about the red bubble link throwing a 404. And it reminded me I have been meaning to email in for a while. I found you via a Mannix Facebook group. I was introduced to podcasts by a work colleague, mainly comedy, movies, football, and true crime stuff. I mean, those are the gateway drugs to podcasts. Um, But I'd always wanted a music one that spoke to me. I was immediately hooked on the dynamic you brought to the discussion. It was totally different to anything I'd heard before. It obviously helped that Mannix have and always will be my favourite artist. I got into music properly, uh, whatever that means, when I was 13 or 14. So in the heady days of 1993, 1994, I was a 
Britpop boy at heart. My first loves were The Charlatans, Ride, U2, and biggest of all, Blur. I went to see them on their Great Escape Tour in 1995 in Hull. I would absorb the enemy in Select Magazine, and my first recollection of the Mannix was the double-page ad in Enemy with the lyrics printed in full and the album artwork on the back. I think that must have been uh, the Holy Bible. I'd never seen anything like it, and the words were so strange to my teenage brain i had to find out more i bought the holy bible and loved it from the first listen then went back and bought generation terrorists and gold against the soul and have bought every album on day of release since and have seen them live about 15 times thank you for how you approached the dissection of their career i especially enjoyed the interviews you had with terry hall simon price and michael sheen i mean yeah they they were all good uh interviews it was just lovely to sort of like i've, I've talked to them about anything when you announced Muse as season two, I was very much in the same mindset as Adam. I used to love them back in the day, but stopped buying their music after Black Holes. I saw them supporting Feeder at the Lead Mill in Sheffield in the late 90s. They gave copies of Uno out in the queue, but I think I've long since sold that on. Then saw them on the first album tour at the Charlotte in Leicester, which just seems mad now that they play such a small venue. Lucas, merch corner for you. My best ever CD purchase was the Muscle Museum hand-numbered EP. I got it for £1 in the Lincoln Hour Price closing down sale. It's a lot of outdated references there. Uh, I then sold it a few years later for £100. They seem to go for about 150 to 200 now. I'd not listened to anything besides the radio-played singles post-Black Holes. To me, they had just become boring and derivative. Just like you discussed, I think I outgrew them. I listened to each album before your episodes. Maybe I was wrong. Maybe they are actually amazing still. Maybe they aren't just stadium-filling dicks. Well, maybe, maybe... No, my original feelings were right. I ended up in the same place as Adam again. I liked them less after hearing all the context and background to their music. It made me appreciate the Manics even more. The fact that they have such depth and interest to their music is still so exciting. Even when they're not great, postcards, they are still interesting and have got something to say. You can work out my rough age from my dates mentioned earlier, so Billie Eilish was not really on my radar, besides Bond, of course. I'm a big Bond fan and was massively impressed with the theme she came out with and loved her voice. I didn't seek out her music, though. I considered leaving the podcast there, but figured it would only be a short season. I might even discover uh, that I enjoy a new artist. What the hell? I'm still not sure that I like her music. There's a couple of tracks I might add to a playlist, but I'm with Lucas on the length of the albums. I can see how if you have been through anything like what she's talking about, it would hit you hard and speak to you. I'm very lucky to have led a life with nothing like this in it. I can, of course, empathise, but it's hard to really put myself in that headspace. I was, however, really excited to hear that there's artists out there with something to say. My naive assumption is that pop music is just vacant crap. Clearly, I am very wrong. Whether I like it or not, she is at least bringing these issues to the forefront of the popular culture. I've rambled on for a while, so you probably won't read this out on air. Well, you were fucking uh, wrong, weren't you? Uh, thank you again for the podcast. Your tour review of Mannix was brilliant and has got me really excited to see them live in Peterborough in the summer. I've not been to a gig for a few years due to COVID and the fact I live in rural Lincolnshire and bands don't often come anywhere near here. Uh... I'm excited to hear who you will cover for season four. Personally, I'd love you to do R.E.M., Bell and Sebastian, Nirvana, 
Green Day, Madonna, Pulp, U2, The Cure. I look forward to having you in my ears every Monday forevermore. Well, Steve, thank you so much uh, for that email. Um, I hope that you're happy with the choice of Radiohead for season four because the cat is well and truly out of the bag uh, on that one. But thank you for emailing. I love emails like that. But that brings us to the end of another episode. Thank you, listeners, so much for listening. Uh, As we said, we'll soon be swimming in the murky waters of one of the most highly regarded albums of all time, OK Computer. Before that, however, we'd like to see what's going on during all of those gigs in support of the Benz. So we're going to jump ahead in the official timeline a little bit, and we'll be watching and talking about Radiohead live at the Metro 1996 next week. While you wait for that to come out, come and talk to us. Tell us what you think of the Benz how you like it, its influence. Tell us what you think of this episode, of anything we've talked about today. We love hearing from you all. Find us on Twitter at WhatIsMusicPod, Instagram at WhatIsMusicPod, TikTok at WhatIsMusic. And if, you, if you'd like to send in something a little bit longer, have us read it out. Email us, WhatIsMusicPod at gmail.com. Uh, we also have a couple of ways that you can support us other than listening if you'd like to big wink one is to buy our merch which if you go to whatismusicpod.redbubble.com you can find some stupid designs and one cool one and i think we'll have some radiohead specific stuff up now if you'd like to just chuck us a few quid you can go to coffee.com which is ko-fi.com slash what is music all donations gratefully received and go towards our running costs that about does it thanks again for listening but before you go please don't leave me high don't leave me bye